wake up, wake up, From Jerusalem, Israel, this is From the Midwest to the Middle East, the podcast that explores everything new in U.S. and Israeli economy. Here's your host, Philip Stein. I'm really pleased to be having this podcast today. First of all, this episode is brought to you by Philip Stein and Associates, the largest U.S. CPA firm in Israel, providing U.S. tax services to Israelis, Americans, corporations, startups, and anyone else needing them. Hi, I'm very excited to have a guest in a, a different field than what we usually talk about, but a, uh, an area that's very close to my heart and to our company values uh, and mission, which is charity or tzedakah. Today, my guest is Ellen Israelson, who's the Vice President of Philanthropic Services and CMO at JCFNY. We'll hear more about what that stands for, but the first three letters are Jewish Communal Fund. Everyone knows what NY is. Uh, in her capacity, she oversees the development of the marketing plan, communications, collateral, and advertising. In addition, she develops and oversees implementation of client services, technology, educational resources, which include JCF's private legal services, philanthropic resources for multi-generational families and legacy succession planning. Ellen is uh, very much in the world of philanthropy, and I think we're going to have a very interesting call today regarding what she does and what JCFNY does. Welcome, Ellen. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so pleased to be with you today. Okay. So I think my first question will be as follows. I think when most people think of giving charity, they identify a specific organization, make a pledge, and write a check. Uh, How does JCFNY change that well-known model? Uh, I think the biggest factor or the biggest change has to do with uh, organization uh, and tax efficiency. When you're supporting multiple charities, particularly on an ongoing basis, all of the record keeping and all of the uh, maintaining of receipts and documentation is on the donor and it gets to be very arduous. Uh, whereas when you use a donor advice fund, other than a receipt from when you establish the fund or add to the fund, which most people only do once a year or once every other year, there's no record keeping. There's no receipts. All the, you know, you have this one receipt. It's all you need. All the record keeping is done and you don't need receipts from individual organizations. And anytime you log into your account, which is all online, it looks very much like if you log into your investment banking, you'll see your entire giving history. You can also automatically set up grants to go to charities. You don't even have to worry about it. Uh, the other big piece has to do with tax efficiency. This model, at least in the U.S., allows people to take a tax deduction in the year they make the gift. So in a year where you have some kind of unusual tax consequences, whether you've had an inheritance, you've sold a business, perhaps it's just a lot of gains in the stock market, that would be a year where you would want to set aside additional money 
but you don't have to give it out in that year. Here you have the flexibility at JCF to give it out over time, over many years. Our only requirement is that at least every two years there's grant-making activity, but there is not a specific minimum distribution that must be given out to the charities. So you can really extend the life of that fund and the assets you put aside for charitable giving. Um, and that way you can be quite strategic in your giving vis-a-vis uh, -vis your tax situation. I'd say the one other thing that's really different and, and attracts people to this vehicle is the opportunity for increased confidentiality. Uh, when you give outright to a charity, uh, your name is on the check. They may be publishing lists of donors. It's a little hard if you want to give anonymously. In a donor advice fund, have your name on the check side by side with Jewish communal fund, but you can request to give anonymously, and the check will simply say Jewish communal fund, and there'll, there'll be no other identification of from whom the check was sent. So there are times when people do prefer that kind of confidentiality. Yeah, I, I think you referred the the name of the vehicle is Donor Advisor Fund, is that I, I often have clients who here in Israel start up nation who have exits. Uh, they may have been right. founders or senior employees. Uh, let's say they have that exit in the, in the last third of the year, last quarter of the year. Uh, me being their accountant, there's a real incentive to give charity in that year, but this may be the first time in their life where they have uh, this kind of money and they've never given to charities in this way, and they really aren't prepared to who to give the money to. Um, so your, your donor advisory fund really provides sort of a place to take my advice to get the tax deduction, but they, you're, what you're saying is you remove the pressure of who to give the money to. Yes, because we want people to give smartly and give with impact. So while people may still want to make a few small donations to charities they've supported in the past or because friends ask them to support, you know, a sort of reactive gift, this gives them time to really plan a strategy for their giving, do their homework, and really be uh, an educated funder uh, who wants to make a difference. And in fact, at, at JCF, one of the things we offer at the private client group, which are people who give of a million and above, we pay for the first four hours of private philanthropic advising. And it's especially for the type of people you just described. People, whether it's a tech company or real estate, when people sell a business or they have an exit, that is a big influx of capital, and they may be setting aside very significant sums of money for charity, and they don't want to, you know, give it out without having a plan and doing their research. Okay, so we've talked about inheritances and exits and, and sale of businesses and valuable real estate, but, but does someone need to be a high net worth individual which would describe people with those issues or problems although everyone would like those problems everyone would like those right, problems right but do you have to sure. do, you, do, you, do you have to be high net worth to set up a fund with with JCF absolutely not in fact the funds 
start at 5000 to establish a fund, and you can draw all the way down to $1,000 before we even ask you to replenish the fund. So for many people, this isn't about exits or they're selling a building. This is really just an easy way to get organized. They don't want to show up at the accountant missing half their receipts. They don't want the record-keeping. Mm-hmm. They don't want to feel like I gave three times to one organization that I only wanted to support once and I forgot to support this other organization. This is really about getting yourself organized. And out of the 4,000 funds we have and the $2 billion uh, under management of the charitable dollars, a surprising percent, we still have uh, 26% of the funds still fall in the 5000 to 25000 range. Wow. So that is still a, a very big chunk of the funds. Uh, it's really just a small group uh, that are at those really high levels. I mean, we do have funds that go anywhere from 5000 to $300 million, but I would say the majority of the funds are from balances of 25000 to about 500,000. That seems to be the sweet spot because clearly these people are not running out to set up private foundations. They don't have family offices and staff. They simply need an easy, accessible tool. And because our, uh, our JCF program is all online, it's, it's mobile friendly. It's just a service that makes their life easier. So it's the entire gamut from the very high-end funder to people, everyday people who just want an easy solution for their giving. Mm -hmm. All right, so let me go back to the the high-end giver. Um, After you've showed us how someone who doesn't have to be there can participate with a donor advisory firm with JCF, let's suppose uh, someone uh, bought Facebook years ago or Google or a Tesla stock. Berkshire Hathaway. Or Berkshire Hathaway. (laughs) or, Or they have a piece of real estate that's gone up a lot or or they have a startup i would assume that you they could contribute the certainly the publicly traded stock and then and you would sell that within meaning that they would save the taxes and that can you also contribute other type of assets to a donor advisory fund yes i would say a bit first off a very large percentage of people do open fund or add to their fund using just publicly traded appreciated securities. I mean, this is sort of bread and butter Mm -hmm. of how people fund. And actually, it's a terrific strategy because you're not paying any capital gains tax. You're electronically transferring. The broker is transferring the stock over. No cap gains are removed. And the entire proceeds from the sale of the stock because JCF sells it, all of those proceeds go into your account. So whether you're the um, Bill Gates of philanthropy or you're opening a $5,000 fund, publicly traded securities are always great. We do also take private stock. We'll take shares in an LLC. We take real estate uh, and other illiquid assets, anything with really low basis. Uh, could be an excellent asset for us to take. But on our end, 
we do have some serious restraints around liquidity. We can't really hold these assets for any length of time. So there is a, a formal sort of assessment process uh, that the external uh, investment advisors as well as the attorneys weigh in on determining the liquidity of this asset and and how appropriate it is for us. But we have many, many funds that uh, have been established or built up over time, particularly from gifts of real estate. Okay, let me let me move to the other end of the donor advisory fund, not just the the donor, but the donee. Um, how, how does an organization become eligible to be on your platform as a potential recipient of charitable donations? Well, eligibility and actually being on the platform I have to address separately. Eligibility means that they are a 501c3 public charity with a valid U.S. tax ID number. Mm -hmm. That is the criteria. Public, not private, and they have to be in good standing with the IRS with a valid EIN Mm -hmm. number. That is the qualification. Getting on the platform is entirely up to our base of funders. So, if a funder recommends a charity, whether it's in the U.S. or Israel, and it's not on our platform, we have a research team, and they will research if they are qualified uh, here in the U.S., and if it's Israeli charity without an American Friends of, they will work with various intermediaries like a PEF or a JGIV for someone who will do the equivalency determination for us and has a U.S. tax ID number who can act as a, an intermediary to transfer the funds to mm-hmm. Israel. But we don't have any process to bring charities I on. See. Um, part of that is because you know we're almost 50 years old. We were one of the first donor-advised funds in the world. So, uh, and we never limited succession on funds. So I ha- we're working with funds that are in the second generation of a family. We have 4,000 different funds. So we already have well over 10,000 different charities in our donor base, including many synagogues, many, many American friends of organizations. Uh, so... There's very few charities that would come up that wouldn't already be in the database. Mm -hmm. I think that's partially why we don't have a process for this. It's not really needed. But we do have um, a very robust research team that will help our our funders and do the research to see if their charities can be uh, added into the database. Okay, so now now I'll choose the middle. And as we're talking about the donor, the donee, but but while the funds are waiting to be dispersed, how are these funds invested in each person's fund? I'm glad you asked that because that's another interesting difference between trying to do checkbook charity and using a structured vehicle like the donor advised fund. So for us, people have a choice. Some people do want to invest the funds that are here because they are getting tax-free gains that are rebalanced into their fund. And that's a great thing for people because at the very least, they tend to offset the 
small administrative fees that we mm-hmm. charge, and some people are even able to grow their charitable fund, much in the way you would look at the investments in a private foundation. Um, but some people feel this is, I just want to set this aside for charity, I'm not going to invest. So we have a money market. These days it's not paying badly, it's close to 2%. But basically we offer index funds, ETFs, bonds. Uh, we also have preset portfolios that people can invest in, whether they'd like uh, something that's more conservative or moderate, or we have a ESG portfolio for people who want uh, more social impact and environmentally sound investments. But in addition to that, because we're the Jewish communal fund, we do have an Israeli ETF uh, we have Israel bonds are an option to invest in. And what's very unique to the Jewish communal fund is the opportunity also to invest in loans that will be repaid. So in the U.S., we have a program with the Hebrew Free Loan Society, and people can make loans that will be paid back to their funds. So instead of making a grant, it's almost like a recoverable grant Mm -hmm. rather than an investment. But you can take that money that you're not granting out and decide, well, instead of just an investment, I'm going to loan this. Now, our folks have opted not to take any interest. Typically, Hebrew Free Loan, the people do pay interest. We have opted as a service. Our our network of people are willing to do these loans with no interest. And we are about to launch this in Israel with what was the Israel Free Loan and now is Ogin. Uh, we are working on uh, a loan program for small businesses and for not-for-profits in Israel, and that should launch uh, by June. Wow. Looking forward to hearing about that. Now, you mentioned you were, you were the first donor advisory fund in the, in the U.S. One uh, of you, the first. One of the first. You're yeah. around, uh, as you said, uh, 50 years. And like any good product company, I'm sure you have some competition. I'm, I'm aware that some of the, the large mutual fund companies in mm-hmm. the U.S. offer similar platforms to JCF. But what makes JCF a more attractive alternative? Uh, well, you're so right. This has become the fastest growing vehicle for charitable giving in the U.S., the donor advice fund. People like it because it's so simple and they literally take out their phone and manage and has, compared to the private foundation or setting up a trust, there's almost no overhead and cost. But, you know, JCF has always distinguished itself uh, because of its personal service. I mean, you are not getting a call center in India. You're not talking to 12 different people. We really know our clients. We work with them personally. We're available to meet with them. And that's something that's increasingly rare these days, particularly in the banking and investment world. The other thing is for our folks, they want to come to a Jewish place. They're Jewishly identified. We have more Jewish charities than any of the other commercials, even the big ones like Fidelity, more synagogues that are pre-approved. We have a greatly enhanced ability to fund in Israel because of our relationships with PEF and JGIV and philanthropic advisors in Israel. 
But I think the biggest thing that differentiates us is what happens with these small administrative fees. When you pay a fee at Schwab, that money goes back to the corporate parent. It pays out bonuses. A little bit of it taken off to do some, they do some limited charity through uh, the corporate office. But here at JCF, almost entirely, I would say two-thirds of the fees go into our endowment. And every year, those fees go to support UJA and Jewish charities. So two million unrestricted goes to UJA Federation of New York every year, and an additional million dollars gets granted out through our special gifts fund to some incredible projects in the community. We have worked with all of the JCCs throughout the area to help uh, create kosher food banks because many of the places that provide food to the needy will not provide kosher food. We funded single-parent initiatives that help pay for daycare and camp for uh, children of single parents. And we've done an increasing amount of work with um, both housing, playgrounds, and camp facilities uh, for people who need adaptations, people who have physical challenges, who need adaptive housing, or uh, for children who need adaptive playgrounds. So this this is what we do as a community and as a network of donors, and this really distinguishes JCF from everyone else. Yeah, that's really a great great reason to to use JCF. Your contributions really leverage uh, other contributions, so that that's pretty exciting. My last question: I'm going to bring you over to this side of the ocean uh, to Israel. I un- understand that JCF has has been involved with helping Israel set up a similar platform. Uh, can you provide us any news on that front? Yeah, I, I, the. Since there have been some changes in the tax law, uh, it look people are trying to create something similar to this donor advice fund. Mm-hmm. But I, I would say there are still a lot of striking differences between the tax codes. Uh, I think the greatest similarity uh, will be that it will offer people a way to organize. Uh, their giving and take away some of the administrative burden, particularly when people in Israel are filing for their tax credit. But the kind of flexibility, and they will have some opportunity with investments, but the kind of flexibility we have here stateside with timing and and not having minimum distribution requirements is, is very different. So we've we've been happy to sort of share our pool of knowledge and our experience, although it'll be interesting to see how this evolves in Israel. Um, we, ha- it, we haven't seen anything up and running yet. We've spoken to a variety of people who are working on this and a variety of attorneys who are trying to consult on this. And uh, you know if you have any experience with lawyers, we spoke to three different attorneys. They gave us three different opinions of how this is going to take shape. So, um, you know, we'll be anxious on our next visit to see how it evolves. Okay. But something that's very interesting to JCF and I think to the people who use us, because we do have a significant number of people in Israel, we, ha- we seem to be attracting more and more dual citizens. Once this really takes shape in Israel, I think this will be very interesting for us to develop 
partnerships and relationships that will really optimize how dual citizens can get the most out of their giving, both in terms of smart philanthropy and tax efficiency on both sides. Okay, something else to look forward to. If my listeners want to know more about JCF, setting up a donor advisor fund, how would they turn to you or or, or to your organization? Well, they can always reach out to me. I have a very simple email. It's E-L-L-E-N at jcfny.org. And they can always look at our website, which is jcfny.org. Okay, that's pretty pretty simple and pretty straightforward. And uh, I thank you for the time today. I think this was uh, it's an interesting topic for me personally, but but particularly uh, I do have conversations, of course, from the tax end about charity. Mm-hmm. So I think that the people's awareness of JCF uh, is is only going to be good for 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 them and, and hopefully for your organization as well. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed our podcast. Feel free to visit us at www.pstein.com or look for Philip Stein & Associates on Facebook and LinkedIn.